Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nation's Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, and I am glad that you can join us for this show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I am talking with Anita Adams. She is the CEO of Black Bear Diner, a California-based diner franchise with nearly 150 locations that has quickly adapted to off-premises service while still protecting its core offering, a warm, friendly experience inside the four walls. Before I jump into that conversation with Anita, don't forget that you can also subscribe to Nation's Restaurant News' other podcast, Extra Serving, where our editorial team offers their opinions on the hot-button issues of the day and shares interviews with a wide variety of food service leaders. That includes this week's episode with Shaq. Yes, that Shaq. Former basketball superstar Shaquille O'Neal chats with our own Ron Ruggles on this week's Extra Serving, talking about his chicken fast-casual Big Chicken. Needless to say, you do not want to miss that episode. Of course, you can also visit nrn.com for our complete content, including news, insights, research, and so much more. Finally, don't forget that our in-person event, Create the Future of Food Service, is coming up in just a few short weeks. This immersive educational event is happening in Denver from October 4th through 6th, and it's going to bring together some of the most interesting and innovative minds in the restaurant space to share their perspectives on what a post-pandemic restaurant industry can look like. We will have executives representing everyone from Brinker to Chipotle and Pizza to Focus Brands. We will have practical insights from both emerging brands and major chains. We will have our award winners for our hot concepts and our creators and so much more. We are also going to be coming to you live from the floor, broadcasting takeaway and extra serving directly from Denver, welcoming many additional guests in our podcast lounge, and that might include you. Visit informaconnect.com create for more information and to register. That's informaconnect.com create. Okay, jumping now into my interview with Black Bear Diner CEO, Anita Adams. And don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my four takeaways from the discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. Anita Adams, thank you so much for taking some time to chat about Black Bear Diner. Anita, let's jump into the status of Black Bear Diner's recovery today as the whole industry is kind of in recovery mode. I know we're not out of the pandemic yet, but certainly better than we were a year ago. Um, tell me where things stand in Black Bear Diner's recovery right now. Great, great. Thanks for, for having me, Sam. So, you know, I, I sit here and uh, we're thrilled where we're at. So, you know, we speculated late last year, I think a number of us in the restaurant space, you know, it felt like the recovery would be strong and it indeed has been. And, and so today we're in 14 states. And so, you know, we saw our Eastern states recover quicker than the West Coast, you know, with the you know various you know, restrictions that were in place and occupancy, uh, particularly here in California. But but really, you know, for us, it's a couple things. Our, our sales we're seeing right now are exceeding our, our 2019 AUVs, which is fantastic. And, and, and that's really, you know, the off-premise impact, you know, coupled with our dining room business uh, coming back online. And so, you know, very excited uh, and really focused on, you know, that sticking, 
right? I, I think that's the question, right? How much of that off-promise stays in place? And, you know, we're tending to believe it's guests are using us different. They're comfortable with that. There's new guests that are experiencing black bear because as we've seen sales in, in states where like i said the restrictions had loosened and our dining rooms were coming back full online we didn't see off promise dip it actually grew and so mm. i think that's a, a great trend uh that we're seeing and so we're gonna fight like crazy to, to hang on to those volumes and then, you know, on the flip side of the, the recovery as well is, you know, going into the pandemic, we had been opening roughly 20 new Black Bear Diners each year. And so during the pandemic, we obviously slowed that down pretty significantly. Um, but today, all the franchise partners who are developing pre-pandemic are back at the table doing so. Uh, so Great. we've got a number of, of new diners coming down uh, for 2022. Corporately, we've also fired up our development. Uh, we were focused in Houston. Uh, we continue to love Texas. And uh, now we're, we're looking at opening a market in Dallas. Uh, we've got our Rio Grande Valley area and then also uh, into San Antonio. So we see 2022 could potentially be our biggest year for opening new Black Bear Diners. Wow. So great recovery indeed. Um, and, and, and I guess I should also go back to, for those who are not familiar with Black Bear Diner, you, you, you have a heavy West Coast prevalent, um, uh, prevalence because you guys are based in Northern California, but you are expanding. You're pushing 150 locations, I believe. For those who are not familiar, just quickly give a, a lay of the land for specifically you know, the growth of this brand and, and what you guys were especially doing pre-pandemic. Sure. So, so we started in the, the mountains here in Northern California in a community of 2,500 uh, folks. And so our two co-founders, uh, Bruce Dean and Bob Manley, still involved today uh, with us at the board level. And uh, so 25 years ago, the brand was born. Uh, it, it wasn't a situation where you had a couple gentlemen sitting around thinking about how do they create a chain. It was really, you know, creating a gathering place for, for their friends and family in, in their small community. And so, so as they opened a few more locations, it really, it took hold. And so they started to field inquiries from other folks who wanted to open Black Bear Diners. And so that's how the franchising piece was born. It was really through other soliciting. And so we have been on a clip of opening 20 diners really since 2016 a year. And so Incredible. today we have 143 diners and, uh, you know, that West Coast, you know, emphasis, you know, given, like I said, born on the West Coast. So we really built out California, Washington, Oregon, and then started moving East. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I think one of the questions clearly we talked about, you know, in 2016 and 17 was the portability of Black Bear and would it resonate if you took us out of the West Coast. And so we we proudly say absolutely. So our classic all-American fare uh, and our you know cabin themed diners and you know just our heavy emphasis on hospitality. It's it's not a West Coast uh, <laughs> brand. It really it's it's resonating across our footprint. So very excited. That obviously opens up great potential uh, to take this uh, brand coast to coast. 
I mean, I think all of us here on the East Coast tend to be very obsessed with a lot of things West Coast, so I don't think you have any any problem there. So you, you mentioned this before, this idea of off-premises business and how that's become sticky for Black Bear Diner going forward. But what was it like beforehand? I mean, so, you know, in the pandemic, of course, everybody, you know, has to adjust to this new reality of, of going off-premises, primarily only off-premises for a while. But what was the business like for you beforehand? What kind of tools did you have at your disposal pre-pandemic in the off-premises business? And what is the muscle that you've since developed and be, been able to add to this, Brim? Sure. So, so Sam, we, we had launched uh, off-premise online ordering, so we use Olo. We had launched that in the fall of 2018. And so, you know, we had all the technology in place. Um, you know, we were viewing it more as a, of a passive kind of tuck-in sale, particularly in that, that dinner day part. And so pre-pandemic, we were roughly 7% of sales were, were off-premise. Okay. And, and that had a heavy takeout component, too. So, so we were mindful about that business, but really our emphasis has always been about experiencing the four walls. And so, you know, we look back and we're, we're pretty thankful that we had that. So obviously when, yeah. you know, March 2020 unfolded, we were very, you know, quickly just, you know, pivoted into 100% off promise. And so all technology was there. All of our franchise partners were on board. We, we used, you know, the third-party DoorDashes of the world. Um, they were already... Um, you know, part of our program. And so really it was taking our menu, refining it a bit. So it was more conducive to the, the off-promise piece. And then also the functionality allowed us to do, you know, curbside delivery immediately. Uh, we deployed family meals. So we packaged some of our offers in you know, to feed a family of four to six. And so it really allowed us to quickly jump into the game. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I imagine some of those things must have stuck with you. Some of the new off-premises tools. What what are those things that you're excited to take with you into the Black Bear Diner future? So you know, I think it was interesting. So technology for us has always been something that we felt like we we wanted to insulate our guests from. Right. We, we mm -hmm. really believe in that that human connection and, and coming in and you know devices down. And and so so. Coming though out of and working through the pandemic, we recognize that the technology does play a role and it can play a role without sacrificing that, that interaction. So today, uh, you know, we have QR menus, uh, QR codes. So to the, the extent that people you know, would prefer that rather than, than a menu, we're mm -hmm. also testing handheld ordering. So at the table, uh, so we'll take your order and so, those type of initiatives are really couched in our desire to balance the off-premise and the in-dining experience. So we, we feel so strongly about protecting that guest who got in their car, drove to our diner, and had brought their friends and family in. And, and so we don't want the off-premise to cause a, a negative overhang in, in that dining experience. So the handheld ordering is a piece of that. We're, we're also designing uh, our new diners will retrofit some of our existing diners to add a third line in the back of house so we can route orders, mm. um, you know, staging areas, addressing that. And so trying to create that separation in, in that experience. So, so that technology is allowing us to do that. Um, pay at the table. 
Uh, we're a cashier banking, uh, like a lot of family dinings, where you take your check and you you cash out uh, at the front. And so we now have technology uh, where you can actually pay at the table. You can control your own timing uh, when you leave as a guest. And so we've been much more open to, to look, like I said, at, at those type of technologies uh, without walking away from from that hospitality component. Yeah, you know, talking about this idea of trying to protect that experience, it's it's so interesting because, you know, we really have been thrust into this very digital forward world. And even in that recovery, to your point, that stickiness, consumer behavior has has is not going back. It's not changing back to a pre-pandemic level. It's going to be continue to be even more digital forward. And so I'm really curious about this idea of how you translate that restaurant experience to the digital frontier. And particularly for full service brands and especially for a brand like Black Bear Diner, where you guys do have a very specific feel to that dine-in uh, experience, how do you translate that to the digital world adequately? Right. Well, I, I think it's a couple of things. I, I think the food clearly, it, it needs to stand for itself, right? And, and so we we do have a, a high quality component. We're actually cooking in our kitchens. And so the romance and the understanding of our food and how we prepare our food and that quality, right? It's making sure that guest appreciates that. So we lean heavily on our e-club and in talking to our guests about the, you know, the alternative here, right? You can take it to your cave as we call it, right? So hmm. we, we try to instill the emotion as we even talk to that digital guest, just through those type of channels, as we would if you came in and we, we had a face-to-face -face interaction. So I would say it's not as easy um, to do clearly, but we, we also would love to entice that guest who is using us off-premise to come back to our diner, right? And, and try us in that format. So we are, you know, we'll do bag stuffers and things of that nature to invite the guests to actually come in and enjoy that experience. So ideally we'd love to, that guest to, to, to experience us in both fashions. Uh, but, but we think our food, like I said, in that off-premise element, it, it really, that needs to be the number one priority. And so we, we invested in great packaging to ensure right the quality of the food and and once again that was all in place pre-pandemic so that mm -hmm. you know, they they're going to enjoy i would say it's not the exact quality there's no way to emulate that right when you put things in boxes and, and put them in a bag but, but but it travels well and we we get a lot of great feedback yeah, so obviously a lot of what we're talking about here is really around this idea of the opportunity that the pandemic kind of proved to be for, I think, a lot of brands, especially Black Bear Diner, to show you you are capable of this going forward, this this digital business. Um, I'm wondering how that applies then to some of your expansion, because you mentioned that franchisees are back to growing. Um, do you just go sort of revert back to your regular you know, expansion strategy, looking for the same kind of sites? Or has there been any kind of opportunity that's opened up for Black Bear Diner on that front to where you can kind of rethink what these restaurants can be? For sure. So, so a couple of things. Our, our footprint is largely conversions. So we've converted roughly 14 different brands. And so we mm. consider ourselves somewhat hermit crab. So for mm. that, right, there's always, you know, that, that a lot of opportunity, right, to step into someone else's shoes there. So through mm. this, unfortunately, there there is availability, um, which does create some opportunity for us. 
but I think as we look at the box itself, you know, one of the, the components that we also introduced during the pandemic was outdoor dining. And okay. so, you know, we kind of laugh in retrospect, we had these like parking lot patios, but, but it also, it, it opened our eyes to, you know, we as restaurant, you know, dining individuals, we like to eat outside. And so mm-hmm. that patio business is all now become part of our design. And so we have now gone back in and we've retrofitted about 15 permanent patios and we've got another, say, you know, 20 to 30 to go. Because once again, it's those alternatives for the guests, right? You can be in our four walls, you can sit on our patio or you can take it to your cave. And so as we've been looking at new real estate opportunities, that that patio pieces is, is a consideration. And then also, as I mentioned, just the, the design elements within the, the four walls to support that off-premise, the third line in the back of the house, the opportunity to segregate staging in the front. Uh, we're also, uh, we've got a new diner opening in uh, Brownsville, Texas. And we, when you come into the vestibule, we're actually gonna have a window. So it's almost like a takeout window. Yeah. And so those guests coming in to pick up or drivers coming to pick up don't actually even have to enter into our diner, right? So they come into the vestibule, they, they can get their, their bag and exit. And so that also then, once again, less distraction within our four walls. The guests coming in are the ones that are looking, like I said, for that full-on experience. And it allows us to, to ensure that we're taking care of them. I'm kind of curious. Maybe you can't even give me a hypothetical here, but I'm kind of curious if you think some of these things would have happened without COVID. What 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 does the Black Bear Diner of today look like compared to the Black Bear Diner of today if COVID hadn't happened? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. I you know, for us, this whole off premise, right? Given you know, we stand so firmly on the notion of the experience, right? And so off premise is counter to that. And so mm-hmm. so I think, like I said, we we launched into off premise, but but we were even very conscious about, you know, we didn't want to talk about it too much, right? We weren't trying to drive a lot of business. We were, it was really just, like I said, a bit of a kind of this tuck-in revenue channel. So mm-hmm. the pandemic did what you said. It, it, it really thrust us into fully embracing this. So not only as you know a company embracing it, but as a consumer. So there's all of you know these guests who just never thought of themselves as you know we don't order online or I wouldn't use a DoorDash.com. I, I believe just the consumer set now has been introduced and experienced that, and they're comfortable. And so I, it feels like now the the alternatives are are so vast now. If you want to you know eat at home, eat at the park take food to a friend's, take it to a ball game, you know, take it to your kids immediately. It's no longer just pizza. And, and so I think that it is. The, the consumer now is educated about how to use this. We as a, you know, a company understand now how we should deliver this. And so I, I do think it's, if you think about the challenges of casual dining and family dining over a long stretch of time, right? The pressure is on the, the top line. And so it is intriguing, right? What what this has done for, frankly, a lot of us. Yeah. It, thinking about that too, I, I, I think about I, a lot of fast casual brands that have really preached this idea of removing friction from the experience between customer and food. And um, while on one hand, I 100% understand that, particularly for the fast casual business. You're also talking about when you're rem- removing friction, you're talking about 
often removing people. <laughs> you're 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 taking sort of the the service part of of this out of the the equation. And so I say that because you know I feel like for a brand such as Black Bear Diner, service is so much a part of that experience. And I think about the diners that I had growing up. Unfortunately, in the Midwest, I didn't have Black Bear Diner as part of my my upbringing. But I think about you know you you want to talk to that waiter or waitress who's pouring you that cup of coffee. You want to engage in that hospitality piece. And so I'm just thinking, you know, as you add some of these new components, particularly digital tools, how do you protect that service? And how do you even kind of evolve it and, you know, to, to accommodate this po post-pandemic future we have? Right. So, so it's putting the, the flag in the ground for us, right? So, you know, and, and I've had folks say, you know, do you think about your business differently? Are you guys going to operate differently when we come in? And the answer largely is no. Because the experience mattered pre-pandemic, and I would argue it matters even more now. I, I think as humans, we've realized that restaurants play such a bigger role than just feeding the stomach. And, yeah. and so, you know, as we saw the, you know, those occupancy restrictions lifting, right, it just, I think we all just were hungry to, it wasn't even necessarily the food or the glass of wine or beer, it was to actually sit amongst <laughs> other patrons, listen to the buzz, you know, talk with the server. And so, so for us, we're, we're always going to be focused on that and delivering that experience. And so the off-premise, frankly, just, it needs to kind of work around that, right? And if we have to sacrifice it will be on the off-premise side. And we do talk about that, right? I mean, there are demand issues, and particularly as we think about our weekends, right? And so you have to prioritize. And so that guest, like I said, who, who drove in as they parked in our lot and sitting with his family, they're going to take precedent. And so we manage that volume through, we may pause or slow down on the off-premise side to ensure that we're protecting that four-wall experience. Sure. Well, I have to ask about the labor situation because obviously it just feels like the only thing anybody can really talk about right now, how hard it is to get employees at restaurants. It's such a complicated situation, and I'm sure you don't have like the, the, the secret code here, but what are you doing at Black Bear Diner to get through this very difficult season as it relates to labor? Sure, sure. So, yeah, it's, you know, I look back and Sam, I, we asked a lot of restaurant workers through the pandemic. We asked a lot of restaurant workers to stand down. And then we asked even more for those that were still working for us, right? To deal with the constant change, the health and safety issues. It's off premise, we're open, we're closed, you're 50% occupancy, you're 25. And so I think there's a reality that we as an industry, we need to be better and we should be better as employers. And so, you know, we're not immune. We're fighting like crazy to staff our diners. I, right now, we're roughly 85% staffed. And so we've had some good progress over the last four to six weeks. But but there's no one thing, right? We, It's referral bonuses. It's the readiness. You know, are you ready to hire at your diner? Do guests know? We, we've added it to the bottom of our check. We've We've mentioned it to our e-club, right? We really just, you know, tap into folks that you want to work with. And so, you know, like I said, just kind of every tactic out there we're after. And then I think it just, it also then sits on, you know, what's the culture of your company, right? And, and if you were maybe, you know, a bad actor before, that's pretty hard to overcome. And so, uh, you know, we believe we, like I said, we, we're still working towards full, you know, full compliments, but but there's been a lot of loyalty 
And, and I think through this, you know, we, we've been very open with our teams. We've been very candid about the challenges and, and been as compassionate as we felt we could be. And so those things matter. And, and like I said, so we, we, we feel pretty proud about our culture and how people feel. Our people are tired. There's no doubt. There's, there's a lot of fatigue out there. But, yeah. but I think it's those things. And then I think as we look forward, we're having a lot of discussion internally, right? It's we've got to balance. We've got to provide better balance for our teams. Compensation needs to lift. Uh, benefits, right? We actually just enhanced our vacation benefits. Uh, and, and so I think it's all those things that are important as an industry just to be a better employer that, that are highlighting. So it's not just a temporary, right? You know, yeah. I, I think it's, it would behoove us to think of it that way. I just, we need to be better. Yeah, sure. I, you are a franchised organization, and I'm wondering how the culture plays out across franchisees. How do you work? I mean, you know, you being home base, being California, you know, California, of course, comes with quite a bit of challenges, at least on the business front in terms of, you know, how you can do labor. And But then on the other side of the spectrum, you're growing into Texas. Um, so you have franchise, franchisees across the country dealing with uh, not just a patchwork of regulations, but a patchwork even of approaches to COVID and we're going through vaccine mandates and things like that now. I guess I'm just curious how you work with your franchisees and kind of keep this cohesive culture across the system. Sure. So so I would tell you, Sam, when, when it, like I said, it was unfolding in March, we clearly didn't have the answers, but the notion of coming together, right? And here's what we've learned. Here, here's what we believe the right path is today. And then tomorrow, right? Reassessing. So that communication so we were we were having bi-weekly calls with our franchise partners here's like i said going through all the aspects of here's here's what's happening here's the recommendation here's what we need to do right and so i think just staying that connected and, and staying very close and then for us we we also recognize the financial hardship that that our franchisees were experiencing we were experiencing it too but but we, we took the opportunity to say that it's really about the long game here. And so we, we immediately told our franchisees out of the gate, no royalties, no advertising fund contributions until you get your dining room reopened. So we wanted to take that angst off the table um, immediately. So it was the financial piece and then it was just the constant communication, sharing of guidance. You know, there was a lot of training materials, there was a lot of posters, there was a lot of guest interaction communication. And so we we just took that upon ourselves to keep pushing all of that out there. And so I look at today, you know, we had really strong relationships with our franchise partners going in. It's much, much stronger where we sit today. The goodwill that has been generated because we came from a place of we were we were we all needed to survive. Yeah. And we felt we were best equipped to, to dig in and, like I said, and, and to provide that guidance um, through this. And so I, I hear that from our, our franchise partners. And, and I think, once again, that it, it, it speaks to the culture piece of this. It speaks to who, you know, we are as leaders here at Black Bear Diner. And, you know, we embrace what we started 25 years ago with our founders and the way they saw, you know, it, it is truly like a family, and I know people you know, mm. throw that out lightly at times, but but it's truly that. We actually had a franchise conference, Sam, that we were supposed to fly out to on 
uh, it was like March 7th. Oh. And it, it's really, it's a wonderful three-day event where our, all of our franchisees come together. We go to Hawaii, which is, which is a wonderful location. But, but we canceled that event the week before we were supposed to travel. Um, and, and obviously to immense disappointment. And, yeah. and what we started hearing, you know, six months into the pandemic is when do we reschedule? Like, when do we get back together? And so there's, we're very excited. We've got everybody slated. You know, hopefully things will settle down here with, with, with you know, the noise here of late with case counts. But we're, we're headed back to Hawaii in, in April here. And, and like I said, our, our franchisees are just, like I said, we more than anything, we just all want to get in the same room together and right. celebrate. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, amazing. I've been reflecting on this. We're, we're preparing an in-person event, and I'm like, I haven't, I haven't been to an in-person industry event in 18 months, and it's, it, it, you can feel that, you know, it's, it, this is a, a real community-oriented industry, and you want to be together to make that community aspect of it. Uh, going back to the franchisee piece of this, though, too, I'm also curious. Going forward, does the makeup of your franchisee base change at all? I, you know, I, I feel like early in the pandemic, we we started to sort of theorize that maybe franchising would really survive better than most other industries because of that support that franchisors could provide. But I also wondered if more people would get into franchising for that very reason. I'm curious, have you seen at all an increase in demand for the Black Bear Diner franchise? Yeah, and I would say absolutely, Sam. So, you know, historically, we were really somewhat passive in our growth. We were very comfortable, you know, with our eight to 10 groups that were developing and you know, 10 franchise diners a year. But we really, we've talked about over this past year and a half that because, like I said, we feel so strongly about how we weathered it, you know, the performance coming out of it, that, that we're now going on the offense. So we've actually, we, we hired a VP of franchising sales uh, Chad Brigham's mm -hmm. been with us now a couple months, and uh, and we're actually getting out there and we're courting new partners, and we're in very active uh, discussions late in the game with a couple of, uh, of partners that we're excited about. Um, so we'll be excited to announce that. But but that's exactly it. We're getting a lot of inquiries. Um, mm -hmm. I think too the you know the other phenomenon, Sam, right, is franchise partners are often multi-branded. And so, you know, I've heard from a couple of our partners where they've told their the, the black their black bear diner story to to other, uh, you know, other franchisees of other brands, and and it's it's that kind of like wow, because I always say if we treat you like this in the worst of times, you can only imagine how much fun we're going to have in the best. <laughs> so That's right. We're, we're actually getting you know some inquiries from that those relationships as well. Interesting. So, Anita, last question for you is really about yourself and your leadership style. I'm just curious for you. I mean, this has been such a trying time that we have been through. It's unprecedented. There's no playbook. You are adjusting on the fly. H how do you feel like you have grown as a leader taking this Black Bear Diner system through this crisis? Sure, sure. So I took the CEO reins in January of 2020. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> several months. So timing is everything. But, but but really, Sam, I you know I look back and I I've worked with some other organizations in my past life that were in distressed bones in working through restructurings, and so I, I think the piece that you know, it, it played well for myself and the, the, the team around me, right? We're, we're decisive. So, mm -hmm. and, and so it just, I always feel like it's paramount to make a decision and move. 
and and you know what if it's the wrong one you simply make another one um so it's the decisiveness piece it was you know i just the compassion right i mean we're in the hospitality industry right i mean it, it and yeah. so i believe being a compassionate leader is really just just for me it makes sense it's who i am as a person uh, but it's that candid discussion it's not trying to you know think you're you know you're saying one thing to your teams and they're gonna you know believe it right it's just it's really that candid honest approach and so you know we we as a leadership team here actually we, we said it out loud we said what would we do different that you know over this last you know 18 months and we were hard pressed to find anything that we would change and so you know, I think for, for me, it, it also, it's so important the people you surround yourself with. And I just, I couldn't be more proud, Sam, of the team, right? So it, 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 it always takes a village, but during a crisis, even more so. And so I think though, you know, like-minded people want to, you know, they're focused on, you know, taking care of people, you know, being forgiving, not judging, you know, this was, this was difficult. And, and so I think all those things, and particularly, like I said, in the restaurant industry matter. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like I said, I, I just, I'll continue to, you know, fight like crazy for the, the team that, that I have. I think, you know, our managers and just a great appreciation for, for, for them and, and, and wanting actually like to make a difference, like I said, in being a better employer um, is really important. And, and it even, it goes down to the franchisees, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it is an economic proposition and we, we do, you know, we're after, you know, making money, but, but you can do that with folks that you actually really enjoy and have great character. And, yeah. and I believe that, you know, we as an organization are that. And so out of any, you know, terrible crisis, good things can come. And, and I think we, like I said, we're, we're stronger on the backside of this than we, than we were going in. I love that optimism. I love to hear about all this excitement for Black Bear Diner. So Anita, thank you so much for taking some time today. Good luck to you guys as you go through this. Great. Appreciate it, Sam. That was my interview with Anita Adams, CEO of Black Bear Diner. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my four takeaways. First, and uh, this one isn't exactly our secret or anything, but off-premises service is sticky for those full-service brands that had not previously invested much in it. We all know by now how much casual dining, family dining, and fine dining suffered through 2020 in particular, and how much off-premises channels like delivery and takeout became a lifeline. But now that the worst of the pandemic is behind us, and restaurant performance is returning more or less to normal levels, we have clear evidence that consumers are not about to give up on their off-premises purchases, including from full-service brands like Black Bear Diner. That is a great sign for the casual and family dining categories in particular, as Anita points out that they really stand to benefit the most by improving their top-line performance. Black Bear Diner has recognized this, and they're reconfiguring their footprint to support more off-premises business, including with these takeout windows in the entry vestibules that Anita told us about, allowing off-premises customers to get in and get out quickly with their orders. Related to that, my second takeaway is that full-service brands should strive to convert new off-premises guests into dine-in guests. 
You know, America has really become an off-premises nation, especially in these past two years, far more eager to order delivery and takeout from our phones than pre-pandemic. That has helped a lot of consumers discover new restaurants, but those people are much more valuable to the brands if they become regular guests inside the four walls. Black Bear Diner's core offering is one that's best experienced dining in. You get those cabin vibes and the friendly conversations with the staff, and they are more likely to establish loyalty from those guests who can get inside and experience the full Black Bear Diner experience. My third takeaway is that the off-premises revolution is about giving customers more control over their experiences. This is especially true for full-service brands, where convenience is not necessarily the priority. Technology can make things faster and easier, more accurate, and remove the so-called friction. But restaurants should not dictate that experience to the guests. Black Bear Diner has incorporated technology like handheld tableside ordering, and they've ensured that the kitchen, the packaging, and their app can handle that business beyond the four walls. But they are letting guests choose what kind of experience they want to have. This is the hospitality industry, and this is a matter of giving that hospitality hospitality to the guests in letting them choose how they want to have that experience. My final takeaway is this. If you weathered the pandemic and you emerged on solid footing, it is time to go on the offensive. Of course, we're not done with COVID yet, and it is impossible to predict if and when we will be. But most in this industry are optimistic that restaurants will enjoy a boom in the coming years, and now is the time to prepare for it. Anita said that Black Bear Diner has mostly been cautious in its franchise growth before the pandemic, but it is so confident now in its business and how the business performed in the past 18 months that they are getting more aggressive in recruiting new franchisees to support that growth. That growth has now extended into Texas, and they are going to continue to grow across the U.S. Those are all of my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also shoot me an email at sam.okis at informa.com. Again, that is sam.okis at informa.com. Thanks again. Talk to you next week.